morning, good afternoon. This is Lilac Boots, and welcome back to another week of The Scroll. Uh, this week I'm by myself, but that's okay. Um, so let's just get started. Um, first, we're going to talk about uh, PlayStation, a um, little bit of news from them today. PlayStation's game bosses said that the platform holder is committed to releasing more experimental games, in addition to continuing the blockbuster single-player releases it's known for. The platform holder, which according to reports is increasingly focusing on big blockbuster games, made a surprising announcement this week by signing up an original multiplayer project from Firewalk, a new studio founded by Bungie veterans. PlayStation has spent most of the past console generation focusing on story-driven single-player games like God of War, Horizon, and Ghost of Tsushima, but PlayStation Studios boss Herman Holst told GI.biz its latest signing showed it was committed to coming up with new ideas too. Quote, I think that the games that we make are as distinct and diverse as they can be, Holst said. From Sackboy to Astrobot to Dreams to these kinds of games that you're referring to, like The Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima. And you can bet that we will carry on making these games because they are the heart and soul of what we do here at PlayStation Studios. But at the same time, we are just as committed to making these quality experiences as we are to experimentation and to coming up with fresh ideas. Although a multiplayer-focused game is a departure for Sony, Holt said his drive for more distinct and diverse games wasn't all about finding different genres. I am very interested in creating a diverse slate of titles. Actually, the shape or form that they come in are less interesting to me than the fact that they are differentiated, diverse, and distinctive, the exec said. We tend to work with teams that do have something in common, which is that ambition that the Firewalk team has but also the fact that Firewalk is a very strong, autonomous, and I would say fiercely daring team, culturally. That's a really good match. So I seek those factors before I go into narrowing it down to genres or gameplay modes. It is more about the experience being differentiated and unique. In a separate interview published earlier this month, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan claimed PS5 would eventually be home to more exclusive games than any previous PlayStation console. Speaking to uh, Nikkei, paywall translated by VGC, the PlayStation boss said that the company has been quietly investing in the creation of first-party software and that it could pursue further M&A opportunities to bolster its in-house development capabilities. We have been quietly but steadily investing in high-quality games for PlayStation and we will make sure that the PS5 generation will have more dedicated software than ever before, Ryan said. We have repeatedly engaged in mergers and acquisitions, including Insomniac Games in the U.S. We will not rule out that option in the future. PlayStation recently closed its oldest first-party developer, Sony Japan Studio, but Ryan told Nikkei the company remains committed to the Japanese market. SIE announced in March that it was funding an original IP from another AAA startup studio established by former Stadia Games boss Jade Raymond. Yeah, so it looks like um, Sony is trying to make sure that everyone's okay with them um, sort of experimenting with how they're going about um, releasing new games. I do remember them acquiring Insomniac because I'm a huge fan of um, Insomniac games. Um, I'm a fan of that company because they released a game called Sunset Overdrive, um, which I'm <laughs> because, you know, certain things and obviously Spider-Man um, coming out they sort of put that game on the back burner as far as um, having any sort of sequels or anything like that. So um, with that being said, uh, I really hope that because they're now trying to focus on um, different things that they'll hopefully um, get back to uh, Sense of Overdrive. Um, 
Next, for uh, all of you Civilization VI fans, um, you'll have a new experience the next time you log in, as the game's April update has added new units, maps, and balance adjustments. Uh, new units coming via the April update include the trebuchet and the man-at-arms in the medieval era, as well as the line infantry in the industrial era. The highly requested trebuchet is a siege promotion class upgrade to the catapult that can upgrade to the bombard. The man-at-arms now fits between the swordsman and the musket man in the melee promotion class, and the line infantry is an upgrade for musket men. New locales being added include the Mediterranean large map, a large-scale map of the Mediterranean region, as well as the Earth Huge map, a map that spans the entire globe. Both maps will have historically accurate types of resources and terrains, as well as true starting location versions of each map where the capital of each player's civilization sits in the actual real-world location of the city in question. If you're playing as Portugal on the true starting location Earth Huge, expect to start right next to Spain. Um, the majority of the update includes balance adjustments for both maps. Oh, excuse me. Um, this, oh, the majority of the update includes balance adjustments for both maps and units, with the melee and heavy cavalry seeing the most adjustments for units, and Khmer, Mapuche, and Spain seeing the most map-based adjustments. The full list of changes and more information on all new additions can be found below. This marks the final free update of the new Frontier Pass season of Civilization VI, which began in May 2020 and included six content packs in the last 10 months. The most recent pack, Portugal, launched in March and introduced a new leader in JAL III, the third, the navigation school and uh, Fasoria unique structures and more. So yeah, um, actually was playing Civilization, um, I want to say about two weeks ago. Um, I This is probably before um, the update, or I didn't run the update when I started it, um, on my computer, and, um, yeah, I didn't see the, the updates just yet, um, but I thought that we already had the, um, Earth Huge map already, um, from what I recall, but, um, hey, I mean, whatever works, and I'm glad, because I like the huge maps, the shorter, the smaller maps make for, like, shorter games, and, you know, I obviously want the game to last a lot longer. Uh, also, I'm excited to see uh, Spain. Um, and I'm ex actually excited for Portugal, too. Um, each country sort of has their own advantages, advantages excuse me, and disadvantages. I know I remember when Canada first came out, um, I thought that country was going <laughs> to... I thought they were going to really... Um, sort of be OP uh, compared to everyone else, only because um, if you're playing as the Canadian leader, you're able to build on, um, well, build in the Arctic areas. You can't do that with uh, any of the other leaders. Well, you couldn't at the time. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing these, um, these new areas and new maps and um, new leaders. Uh, next, for all of you uh, Cyberpunk 2077, fans or maybe disenchanted fans that kind of don't want it, you know, don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> um, the new leak may have revealed a huge upcoming update that could possibly add back content that was removed from the game ahead of launch. Uh, over on Reddit, an increasingly prominent Cyberpunk 2077 leaker has revealed that while using Epic Inspector, a custom tool used to access developer tools for the Epic Game Store, they came across some interesting tidbits pertaining to the CD Projekt Red game. According to the leaker, 
There's something called Content 1 under the versions category of Cyberpunk 2077 on the Epic Game Store, which they believe could bring back some of the content that was cut from the game. Whether this will happen or not remains to be seen, but the leaker notes that Epic expects this update to be available on June 10th. Oh, day after my birthday. That's awesome. <laughs> um, in other words, this content isn't very far away. The leaker also reveals that all DLC has dedicated server capacity limits that could provide rough estimates of how big the DLC is. To this end, some of the DLC has 20 gigabytes allocated towards it, while other DLC has 30 gigabytes reserved. Unfortunately, this is more or less where the salient details end, but the leaker notes they are anticipating that the game may make a big comeback sometime during quarter three, which is to say this summer. A company accompanying all of this is some fairly, un excuse me, fairly convincing evidence, but that doesn't change the fact that everything here is unofficial and speculative. Further, the implications are vague, which can sometimes be an indication of something fishy. In other words, take everything here with a grain of salt. At the moment of publishing, uh, CD Projekt Red has not commented on any of this. If this changes, um, you know, I'll update this um, accordingly. Cyberpunk 2077 is available via the Google Stadia, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, and PC. Next, um, some more PlayStation news. So uh, PlayStation Now is set to receive a substantial upgrade within the coming weeks. Specifically, this upgrade will improve the visuals of certain games within the streaming catalog that can reach a certain fidelity. While not all games will be included in this upgrade, it should surely assist those titles on the service that were released for the PlayStation 4. PlayStation revealed the news officially today on social media that PlayStation Now is set to receive support to allow games to stream at 1080p as soon as this week. Um, support for this feature is set to revive in the United States, Europe, Canada, and Japan and territories where the service is available. PlayStation didn't give any hard dates for when this feature may actually arrive in every region, but it's worth keeping an eye out for in the future. If you're wondering why this is a big deal, it will essentially improve the streaming portion of the excuse me of PlayStation Now, which is what the service was built around in its inception. Previously, games couldn't be streamed at this graphical quality, which made it a bit harder to enjoy newer games on the platform. The streaming quality before this upgrade was hard capped at 720p instead. The workaround that PlayStation implemented for this in recent years, however, was to allow PlayStation 4 titles that are on the platform to be downloaded natively to consoles. This is a practice that will still continue, but due to the increased resolution now, more players will have the option to play PS4 titles without having to trade off for a loss of quality in graphics. As a whole, this is a very much needed improvement for PS Now, and is something that I imagine many subscribers will love. Um, so I don't have a PlayStation, um, but, you know, considering, um, the fiasco with the PS5 and, you know, how long it's been out, uh, well, sorry, not how long it's been out, but rather, um, the, you know, the backup orders on it, um, you know, I, I, some people have it, some people don't, um, Last time I checked, they're still they're still waiting on it, and um, with this, um, hopefully the people that do have uh, PS4 and PS5, they'll be able to stream, uh, stream and play games, you know, at that 4K quality. Um, hopefully, you know, this will uh, make all their games um, a lot brighter. 
um, and a lot better when they're streaming or just, you know, they're enjoying it themselves at home. Uh, next, I also wanted to talk about, um, there's a game called Tunic. Um, so IGN had released the demo video um, for this game the other day. And I've had this game wishlisted on Steam since it premiered at E3 about three years ago. Um, so Tunic is an uh, isometric 2D uh, Zelda-style combat and exploration game. So um, if you've seen any of the gameplay, um, it basically looks just like The Legend of Zelda. Um, but instead of like a humanoid character, it's a fox person. Um, and you know you you're still you're smashing barrels just like in Zelda. You have a sword just like in Zelda. Um, it, it pretty much looks the same. I do like the way it looks. Um, if you want to check it out for yourself, there's a free demo on Steam. Um, and I just wanted to take this time to basically thank all of the developers that have been releasing demos to their games. Not only um, the company that made Tunic. But um, also, I'm planning on trying another game called Rising Hell. Um, I just think that um, you know developers should take all of that into account when they're trying to um, you know sell a game. Um, you just let people try it, um, whether it's just one level of the game, um, you know, or if the game, if you just make a, like a 20 minute demo, just something that um, will sort of give everyone a taste of what their you know what they may purchase. I think that will stop a lot of the fiascos um, that have been happening lately with, um, just like with uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and also even Watch Dogs Legion. Um, that didn't really have a great um, opening day either. So yeah, if companies just release demos, I think, uh, you know, I think they do um, a lot better. It also works out for developers because, you know, you get the most accurate feedback from your consumers. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, soon they'll bring back demo gaming. <laughs> um, next, uh, so this is for all of you uh, Borderlands people. Uh, so the directors cut DLC for Borderlands 3 adds a variety of bits and bobs, including a raid boss, a short series of side missions, and a collection of behind-the-scenes bonuses like bloopers and cut content. Among that cut content is the animatic for um, a cutscene that didn't make it into the finished game, presumably for reasons of budget or time. What cutscenes that? Only a funeral, funeral for one of the Borderlands 2 protagonists, excuse me, that would have given um, her a send-off frustratingly absent from the actual story, as well as making one of the most hated new characters introduced in Borderlands 3 seem far more likable. Um, so after um, you watch the animatic, um, it's baffling that this was cut rather than perhaps being trimmed or otherwise altered to squeeze it in. Ava's seen as the scrappy dude of Borderlands by a lot of its fandom, but with this one scene, she became relatable. And as well as giving Maya a good goodbye rather than rushing past her death so fast. It seemed uh, suspicious. Um, the funeral gives the rest of the cast a humanizing moment. Even Craig's there. Part of the appeal that Borderlands 2 um, excuse me, part of the appeal of Borderlands 2 is that what initially seems like just a goofy action comedy full of one-liners actually lands some emotional beats once the story gets going. Seeing that Borderlands 3 could have been similar is gutting. Anyway, this is more evidence that the best parts of Borderlands 3 are all hidden in its DLC. 
Um, and finally, um, so for those of you who um, listened last week when I said that the uh, PlayStation decided to uh, <laughs> overturn their decision to shut down the uh, PS3 and uh, Vita game stores, well, uh, some users didn't bother to wait for that information and decided to basically find a way around it where they could get the uh, where they could buy the PS3 and Vita games anyway. Um, so. A new browser plugin has been released, which allows users to browse the old version of the PlayStation Store and access PSP, PS Vita, and PS3 games for download. The new Firefox plugin, Valkyrie PS Store, allows users to access the old store by utilizing web pages backed up on archive.org. As um, the store is fully functional, it allows users to purchase content and download it to their consoles. It's also possible to manually access the old PlayStation Store for users on web browsers other than Firefox, which involves copy and pasting URLs into the archive.org site. SIE launched the latest iteration of the PlayStation Store for web in October, ahead of the launch of PlayStation 5 the following month. As well as the revamped layout, the new store removed support for purchasing PS3, PS5, and Vita games and add-ons, plus PS4 apps, themes, and avatars. The wishlist feature was also discontinued. All of the above content is still purchasable via the PlayStation Store on specific consoles until the PSP Store is, switch up, is switched off, in July that is, but since October, it's not been possible to purchase PlayStation content for these platforms via the web. Earlier this week, Sony U-turned on a decision to close the PS3 and PS Vita digital stores. In a statement published on Monday, SIE President Jim Ryan said that the PlayStation, excuse me, said that the platform holder had realized it had made the wrong decision in planning to close the stores. Users will continue to be able to purchase digital games on PS3 and PS Vita, but the PSP store will still close as planned on July 2nd. Uh, recently, we notified players that PlayStation Store for PS3 and PS Vita devices was planned to end this summer, Ryan said. Upon fur further reflection, however, it's clear that we made the wrong decision here. So today I'm happy to say that we will be keeping the PlayStation Store operational for PS3 and PS Vita devices. PSP Commerce functionality will retire on July 2nd, 2021 as planned. VGC analysis had suggested that around 140 PlayStation games would no longer be available for purchase in any form when Sony closed the PSP, Vita, and PS3 stores as initially planned. Now, a far smaller number of titles, around 35 digital-only PSP games, could disappear following the July store closure. So yeah, so not only did they go back on that, they also decided, well, not even they. <laughs> Some people just decided that, yeah, screw that. I'm just going to go around and just buy all the games that I want anyway. Um, so if you don't know, archive.org is that site that um, basically still has... Um, links to like every old website that you could possibly think of. I mean, something you probably haven't seen since you were really little, or I'm not even going to say that probably a site you haven't seen since 97, 98, if we're going to go there. Um, so I'm not surprised that they, someone went on there and um, just used the web pages that, that are back up on that site. Um, yeah. They, people were really upset. Um, but when I saw the list of games that they were planning, um, you know, like I talked about last week and the week before, 
once I saw the um, list of games that weren't going to be available anymore, I didn't see what the big deal was, but I guess a lot of people were fans of that game. Um, yeah, so that's it for the general news. Um, I'll be right back with our video game anniversaries. Um, yeah, that's it. I'll be right back. And we're back. Thanks for uh, being patient with me. So um, there wasn't that many video game anniversaries today. Um, just one, uh, Fire Emblem for the Game Boy Advance was released on this day in Japan 18 years ago. So April 25th, 2003. Um, I also just wanted to give a quick uh, congratulations to Respawn Entertainment. Um, they won an Oscar last night. Um, they helped produce a short uh, WWE. Uh, <laughs> they helped produce a short World War II film, which won uh, Best Documentary um, Short Film at the Academy Awards last night. So, um, the name of the film is Colette, and it's a documentary uh, joint produced by Respawn and Oculus, and freely distributed by The Garden. Um, it follows one of the last surviving members of the French Resistance as she returns to Germany for the first time in 74 years, visiting the concentration camp where her brother was killed. Um, the documentary was produced as part of several live-action historical shorts created for the studio's VR shooter, Medal of Honor, Above and Beyond, and named Respawn CEO Vince Zampella as a co-producer. Naturally, the studio is pretty damn chuffed to be the first game studio to be awarded an Oscar win. So congratulations to Respawn Entertainment. Um, that's really cool. This reminded me of the time um, when I saw um, that Baba Yetu um, for Civilization IV, which is the um, the theme song for that game. Um, they won a Grammy Award for Best Arrangement Instruments and Vocals. So I thought that was great. Um, so congratulations again to Respawn Entertainment. Um, I didn't have um, a lot of news this week, so this would be, you know, obviously this was a very short um, episode. But congratulations to everyone. Um, thank you so much for listening, and um, I'll see you guys next week. Bye.